If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, as always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined with Jason Snyder from Montclair Capital Partners. Jason's a principal at Montclair Capital Partners and has a wealth of experience uh, being in the commercial real estate space for the last 20 years, man. He's been at, he's been a developer. He's been a sales guy. He's been a VP of acquisitions. Uh, I'll let him go ahead and go over his resume, but I'm really excited about the conversation and Got a ton of questions lined up. So, Jason, thanks uh, thanks for joining the show and welcome. Great, so Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Glad to be I here. Did a, I did a very uh, abbreviated botched job of your introduction. Can you give a more robust explanation of your your history? And you, you gave me a wonderful one before we hit record. Uh, if you could give it to our listeners, kind of a why they should listen to you uh, plug. Yeah, yeah. Look, really, uh, you know, 20 years about in the space, uh, really building it from the ground up. Uh, what I mean by that, started off when I left my my college educated career as a sales engineer and got into real estate in the 2004, 2005 range. I uh, started out in single family, uh, rolled that quickly into raising equity for a development in Phoenix. Uh, had some issues with uh, the, the main partner on that deal. Uh, landed back in the Bay Area full time doing sales brokerage and multifamily for four years during a great recession. So that was an interesting time to you know cut my teeth in the business. Uh, from there, acquisitions for some local developers here in the Bay Area. And then uh, to the end of 2021, uh, director of acquisitions at a private equity firm in San Francisco. Uh, through that experience, you know we were raising funds, not myself, but the key principal there, $150, $250 million funds. Uh, I've acquired over 4,300 units of workforce housing, uh, market rate value adds, Section 8 tax credit deals, uh, some senior housing layered in there as well. And uh, in the 2021, decided to uh, get out on my own and start looking for partnerships in the syndication space and JV space. And so spent a uh, majority of last year getting you know my feet under me, if you will. And uh, here we are. Awesome. So uh, it was probably better that you spent 2021 and 2022 getting your feet under you than buying a bunch of deals that would be bleeding right now. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, you know, I'm, I'm in the Bay area and, you know, people, when we go to these meetup networking events, you know, obviously you can't buy in California. I mean, at the end of the day, you can buy in any market, in any market conditions, right? right. Uh, I did a couple of projects here locally last year to keep me busy as I was getting uh, the business set up. And for example, I just did a small little five unit deal here locally, little value add, I'm adding a six unit on that. That thing's spitting off 10% cash on cash for me currently. Uh, got a nice off-market opportunity through a broker relationship on that. Uh, so I had a good basis going into the deal, which is always the key on anything, right? You buy right, uh, that typically will set you up for some long-term success. Uh, did first little JV deal here locally as well. Uh, it really was a, a rebound deal. And what I mean by that, it had been in our contract. Um, an initial buyer blew out of that deal. Broker came to me, said, hey, Jason, we have this opportunity. Haven't taken it back to the market yet. Those situations present themselves well because you get a seller that's a little beat up. I uh, was able to get into that deal at a seven and a quarter cap day one. Uh, secured long-term debt at four and a half percent. And we had already distributed in the first two quarters of operations 
about 60% of our year one NOI. So uh, you can do it in any market, any deal size, regardless. You just got to be patient. You got to buy right. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And I love hearing you talk about that five unit deal because, you know, in the multifamily space, everybody is just too, too bigger, better, bigger, better. I got units. I got units. I got 438 units. You know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, so you invested 25 grand into somebody's 438 unit deal and you get, you know, a hundred dollars a year from it. Like my, I got duplexes that make way more than that. So like, what are we really mm-hmm. talking about? Like, is it, right. is it dollars and cents and profit and cash flow, or is it just this big smoke screen of unit counts? Cause that's what I, that's what I hear all day at the conferences. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because obviously the price per pound in California on a per unit basis is exponentially higher than many markets around the country. Right. Sure. sure. Uh, and then you take that and you look at rents on a per unit basis in California you know, we're talking two bed rents in C product here, twenty three to twenty five hundred dollars. You can make money on that, right? Obviously, the issues with a smaller deal, you don't necessarily have economies of scale, so you really got, you know, from the operational aspect, you got to know where you're going in and where you can trim the fat, if you will, right? Um, so they're very much more management intensive, of course. But if you're geared for that and you've got the right team around you. Uh, you can make a profit. And I think the two deals that I mentioned earlier, they're smaller. Uh, I'm looking to scale, uh, but you can make money on any deal, right? Absolutely. So what markets are you looking in? Select markets uh, in California, uh, Bay Area, because I've got long-term relationships here being in the market for so long. Uh, Sacramento's got some great uh, economic drivers that are happening. Riverside down in Southern California, long-term projections there from population growth and job growth is just off the charts. You got that flight to affordability from the coastal markets in Southern California coming out of LA, San Diego, and Orange County. And Riverside is built out. So you've got a lack of available developable land, right? And you've got a lot of long-term owners that are in that smaller mid-range product size, we call it 25 to 50, 75 unit deals. So hands off the wheel, they've been comfortable, their basis is low, uh, and there's tons of opportunity there. Uh, the California side, uh, Texas is another big market. Um, everybody's going to Dallas, but for good reason. And there's plenty of product in Dallas, of course. Uh, San Antonio's got some pockets that are interesting. Uh, and Houston with select neighborhoods. And look, at the end of the day, uh, the syndication space is a, it's a team sport, right? And you know the important thing is I'll go anywhere for the right deal on the right team. Uh, and the economics just have to be in place. So Research Triangle Park is a great market. Uh, but Another area that I'm looking at, but again, you can go anywhere and find the right deal with the right team. Awesome. So what does your team look like? Well, right now I'm scaling it. So the team, (laughs) the team right now is me. Uh, And, you know, as I get out and start to scale the business, so you talked earlier on about people wanting just to talk about doors under management, right? Um, You know, in my career, I've acquired over 4,300 units of multifamily. Uh, Currently, or have been a limited partner in over 6,500 units. And that I was fortunate enough to be in a fund where we didn't have $50,000 minimum investments. So that afforded me an opportunity to reinvest, you know, some of that income uh, and really get the feel from that side of the business as well. Um, So as I'm looking to build the team, uh, you know, I've got an institutional underwriter that's waiting to join the team. I've got an institutional asset manager that's waiting to join the team. Uh, So those pieces are in place. I've got great connections in the property management space as well in the markets that I mentioned to you earlier. Uh, I just need, and then the process of scaling, right? And so when I get to that point, 
and I can feed those other folks to bring them on board, um, we'll start adding more personnel to the team. The challenge so, is then, yeah, but I mean, is is there a reason that you do that versus a partnership structure, right? Like if you have a partnership structure, you don't have to start paying them today. Like all of my, all of my apartment deals. So I have five apartment. I, I say I have five, apartment. I'm a general partner in five apartment complexes. I have several partners on each one of those deals. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I never had to, like, we worked together for years and I never had to pay them because they, they had the same ownership stake incentive to me. Like, you know what I mean? And that has been, that has been a, that has been a beautiful relationship there in the, in that syndication space. Now, all my other businesses, I'm very employee intensive. I don't, I don't like, I, I love employees. Um, I have, you know, I have my property management business. We do some construction and we have a bunch of flips and a bunch of rentals. And, and I, I like the employee and, you know, the employee structure here because it makes sense, right? Like my property managers get paid by the money that comes in from the property management revenue. My, my, you know, my project manager gets paid by the money that comes in from the flips. And so like, but with the, with the apartment syndication, I mean, you, sometimes you're looking at like, I ain't going to get paid for five years. Like who's hanging out for that? Well, somebody has an ownership interest. Yeah. So the one deal that I failed to mention, uh, I did a little co-sponsor raise on 152 units in Dallas. Uh, and that just closed about three months ago. So exactly to your point, Sterling, uh, that is an avenue to get in with additional partners and scale the business. Uh, ABG in Dallas, ABG in Dallas with the boots on the ground cool. and Prime uh, Real Estate. They're out of LA. They're the co-sponsor, the main co-sponsors. Uh, I made a half million dollar raise on that. You know, I brought in a small slug. I was aiming for 500000 uh, ended up only bringing in three, but again, it was an avenue for me to get into the deal. Um, you know, as part of that too, uh, I went in initially at fifty thousand uh, dollars. I ended up doubling my investment on that particular deal to one hundred thousand. Brought in four other uh, LPs at fifty k apiece, and you know, for me, it's just, and particularly in this market, right? It's it's scaling, but you got to scale smart, right? Because the deals and the market headwinds are so challenging today. I can go out and throw money and capital at a, at a bunch of opportunities today. But at the end of the day, to your point earlier, do I want to sit around for five years? Let's say they're saying this is a, a pref deal and it's going to accrue, right? So maybe we get a little fee up front, but I'm sitting around now for five years, not collecting anything, waiting for a back end uh, hope, hope payment, if you will. Uh, and I'm just not going to do that, right? So I'm going to scale the business. I'm going to scale it cautiously and be prudent about it particularly in today's market, right? Because frankly, if you look over the last 10 years, so many people got into this space that had no business being in it. You know, rising tides raise all ships. Cheap debt covers up so many problems in the business. Everybody looked like a hero, right? Yeah. And now you got to get down to the the, the nuts and bolts uh, and you got to know what you're doing. And, you know, I think being prudent going forward and growing cautiously is, is the good approach. Absolutely. And and so, how do you grow cautiously? I think it, sticking to your guns from the standpoint of of what your returns are, uh, making sure you're using as much data available in the market, uh, making sure you're leaning on people uh, to assist you in, in the process, and that could be local property managers, right? You got to get out and got to keep the tires on all the deals you're looking at. You got to get out, and keep the tires on all the comps. You got to talk to the people that are running the comps. You got to know what's happening in the submarket. Right. Real estate's a block by block business. 
uh, what can happen and what looks good in one block, you know, two blocks away can be a total nightmare, right? So absolutely, it's just not, you know, a lot of these guys that went in for bridge debt and variable rate debt over the last couple of years, that stuff's starting to show. Uh, the veneer has come off. Those issues are showing themselves, right? So being prudent with fixed rate debt going forward, being prudent in limited rent growth, making sure that you are rock solid on your expenses and where you can trim the fat on the expense component, obviously going forward is going to be extremely crucial in profitability. Sure. Absolutely. So, so what are the next steps for you? You know, the, the one thing that I realized, even though, you know, I come with 20 years of, of varied experience, uh, you also, I come with 20 years of baggage, right? Um, and, you know, you, you, you realize when you get out and start doing it on your own that, you know, a lot of the, the, the thoughts and the methodologies that you've utilized and that were tried and true were yours, right? Um, what has been great about this next phase of the growth for me and building the business is getting perspective from others, right? Potential partners, even people that are just entering the business that have a different perspective on, on real estate generally um, and networking with folks. Uh, the biggest piece that I realized that I was lacking amongst many things, I know what I'm good at, right? I'm, I've been in acquisitions for almost 20 years. Uh, the deal hunt is my, my skill. Uh, I can do other things. I'm, I'm dangerous, but not great at them. And finding the right people to put in place to help me scale the business is crucially important because it's a team sport, as I said, you're not siloed and you've got to rely on other people that are better than you. And uh, the key is finding those right partners uh, and learning from them, listening to what they have to do and their knowledge. Uh, and again, sticking to your guns on the underwriting and making sure that first and foremost, at the end of the day, it's about the investors. Uh, it's not about me or the money that I've been to a deal. It's about protecting the investors and their investment. And um, again, just being extremely prudent uh, and not getting too far out over the skis. Awesome. Do you mind sharing uh, a little bit on that uh, partnership that went wrong? Is, is that is there some privacy things that I need to be sensitive to there or do you mind? No, no. Open book. So ask any questions. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, a, and for the listeners that, that may be deciding to get into the space or just getting in, uh, the business is a grind, right? 99.9% uh, .9 of what we do on a daily basis is failure. Uh, and that failure can come by uh, deals that don't make uh, and people telling you no, right? But every deal that doesn't make and every no that you get is a one step closer to a deal that works and a yes, right? And so you got to be in it for the long game. And that's also part of just looking at deals generally. So I tell you that in, to get back to your question, uh, so I was really green in the business, uh, got into the single family side. The individual that I had joined had a huge team locally in the Bay Area, uh, had been one of the largest KW agents on the single family side in the country, number two, actually. We were taking money from 1031 exchanges and flipping that out from California uh, investors into equity slugs into a 34-story condominium tower in downtown Phoenix called 44 Monroe. Um, the, we were flying folks out. Uh, doing a little dog and pony show around the Phoenix Metro. Well, the, the figurehead of our little group that was doing this one day called up from San Francisco and said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm sick. I'm not going to be back for a couple of days. Take that couple of days, stretch it out to a week. Then all of a sudden we realize the investor bank accounts get drained and this partner disappears. Never to be heard from or seen from again. 
So we had the harsh realization, many of us were ready to move full-time to Phoenix, that we had to pack up shop, came back to the Bay Area, uh, and one door closes. Uh, the next one that opened was the Marcus and Millichap multifamily sales for the next four years, right? Which was just another stepping stone in that process. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a rude awakening to the business. Um, but again, I didn't stop. Like where uh, does, I had to start, had to start where, over again. Like and to, to date, the guy has still never been found? It was a female. And yeah, I, I have not been able to, to, to find her anywhere. <laughs> Crazy. Did you like, I like was, this? This was a no big like, thing, like, right? Like an like an investigation, like you went to the cops, I assume. I mean, you had investors' money. Like, the investors, yeah, but they went after her. I, but they've never, I've never heard anything about them being able to find her. It's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. And we had a team out there of about 15, 20 people that came from the Bay Area. And actually, my now my wife was my girlfriend at the time, had just received a transfer through her job to relocate to Phoenix full time. And so it was serious business. And uh, this individual did that and uh, you know, caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. I mean, obviously, the investors lost their money. And, you know, we had 15, 20 of us that had to, you know, regroup and, and figure out what we were going to do next. That's crazy. Yeah. So it happens. The, so so uh, what other you mentioned you had done some single family stuff before that as well. What, what other kind of experience did you have in the single family space? Single family was limited. So when I got off, uh, I was a sales engineer. Uh, that's what brought me to the Bay Area. What kind of sales engineer? Uh, industrial. So I was working with like San and Cisco, uh, putting together transportation systems uh, and packaging systems for drives and CDs back in the day, servers, right? This is back in the early 2000s. So they had fragil fragility levels that we had to design these transportation systems to from manufacturing facilities through distribution to the final end uh, point delivery, right? Great job, uh, had a great territory, but it wasn't my passion. And I've always said, listen, follow what your passion is and the money will find you. It may take a little bit of time to do that. And I can tell you that it did for me. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm now looking back 20 years later and, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine being in the place that I'm in today, uh, having not made that decision. And then most importantly, let me be clear here too, having people around me uh, that supported me in making that decision. It was crucial. Awesome. Awesome. So what, uh, you'd mentioned that you're, you know, you're big into networking at the moment. What, what, I know you've met my guys, I think at Dealmaker Live at uh, right. Michael Blanc Steel. What other yeah. uh, conferences are you going, what other events and conferences are you going to this year? MFIN is coming up. Uh, I'm doing a lot of local networking and meetups here in the Bay Area. Uh, so for example, I've got one tonight down in Redwood city, which is down near Silicon Valley. You get a lot of high net worth tech folks down that attend a lot of these events. Um, I just am on the good egg platform, uh, REA accelerator, uh, which yeah, is kind yeah. of another... I, I worked with Annie. Yeah. 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 Okay. So exactly. So, you know, and through that, um, exercising that part of the muscle, right? So as I told you, I was a sales engineer coming out of college. I forgot that I really enjoyed being out and talking to people. Right. On the yeah. acquisitions front, you do that. It, right? you, you're out networking. It happens. Right? You you always forget how much you I'm a I'm a salesperson, but you know, okay. I've, I've never been anything but a salesperson. I'm a you know, I was came up as a salesperson and sales manager, sales director and everything. And and it it was always this back and forth of like 
I'd, I'd move up and I'd get bogged down in front of the computer and I realized like, this isn't how I like, and this isn't, and, and like, this is like, right. Like we're, we're, we're having a conversation. Like this isn't computer right. work. Right. Like I don't like being tied to Excel for four straight hours. I would rather be like, you know, telling somebody at lunch while real estate's cool and they should invest with me. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, that's, that's my, that's what I enjoy doing. I don't enjoy sitting still in front of the computer. I'm just too ADD dyslexic. I, it just, whatever, for whatever reason, that's the way God made me was like, I'm like you, I like to be out in front of people. And it, it, that's exactly my point, right? When, uh, when you talk about ADD, I, I always reference my short attention span. And that's why acquisitions has always been an area that I've enjoyed because I go out, find the deal, work with asset management, package up a business plan, close off, and then I get to move on to the next deal. Right now, I'm not doing that because I'm doing soup to nuts, right? I'm sitting in front of the right. computer. I'm underwriting deals. Yeah, I'm working with lenders. Is cool. Acqui- acquisitions is is the exciting part. Acquisitions is like the, hey, look at the elephant I killed. And then you got to like start dressing it. And you're like, well, that's a whole lot of work. You know, it's <laughs> like, a whole lot of work. Like, and we're so excited to buy all this work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then implementing the business plan too, right? I mean, that is right. a whole another beast post-closing, putting the business that, plan No, that's in what place. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The acquisition Crazy. piece is, 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 is fun. Like that's the hunt. That's the kill. Right. That's the, oh, yeah. look what we bought. Yeah. yeah. And then oh, the yeah. work starts, then the business plan. That's the, that's the, that's the, uh, I mean, we've got, we've got, you know, we got all kind of horror stories doing asset management over the last couple of years. You know, we've got one property we're on our, we're, we're trying to gentrify. We're on our third property management company in like three months. I mean, it's, that's, that's going uphill. You know, we've got, we've got, uh, you know, we've had all kinds of operational challenges with all of them. I mean, we, me and my partners have, I I was looking at our schedule, me and my partners have met because my partners are in New York. We have met, uh, we've met four times a week for the last three years. You're kidding. Wow. Yeah. And, and for, for a long time, it was, it was from seven 30 to eight 30 or seven 30 to nine at night because some of my partners had day job. Like one of my partners had a day job. He worked on wall street at a private equity firm. Like he, okay. you know what I mean? Like he couldn't be doing so. So we would have to meet at night. So I would work all day and then I would go took my kids in and then hop on apartment calls. I did that for years. Now the, no, the calls have moved to to the the work day, but uh, you know, so I get the evenings off. But but yeah, man, that's you know, when you talk about time, right? You know, people ask, you know, why did you leave the firm that you're at? And time was my biggest thing. Uh, so I'll give you what I mean by that. You know, I started. My daughter was born in 2011. Uh, started there just prior to to her birth. Um, was one of the first guys, if not the first opening up the office at 7 a.m., coming home after dinner in the evenings. And this went on for up and until they sent us home for COVID. And I am not exaggerating. You can ask my wife. I can drag her in here. Uh, had dinner with my family uh, during that period of time until COVID, literally ten, less than 10 times. And I'm never going to get that time back, right? And so, you know, in looking to leave, you know, I told you I made that change from sales engineering. To, I wanted to start learning real estate from the ground up, started in the single family space. Um, you know, when I left the firm, people asked, well, why are you doing that? Because I, I, I needed now to reclaim my time. And, you know, I lost the interest uh, and the excitement in the business. Uh, I wanted to work with people that I respect, that I had fun with, do deals that were 
great opportunities and, 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 and cool. Uh, more importantly, the time with my family. Like now, uh, I can pop out of the office, yeah, help my daughter with her homework. I drive to school every day. You know? I was on a I was on a, a board last night. Uh like it was a, not a board, a panel. I was on a panel interview last night at, at a local meetup. And um they were asking and, and the the topic of like work life balance, you know, kept coming up. And and so it reminded me, I th- I'm pretty sure Gary Keller talked about this in his book, The mm. One Thing. I think that was the book I read it in, but it talks about like, like a tea party with a 14 year old is not the same thing as a tea party with a four year old. Like you either, cause we lie to ourselves a lot, especially as, as work addicted entrepreneurs who were like, Oh, well, I'm doing it all for my family. I'm doing it all for my family. And we'll just, once I have the money later, you know, we'll just spend more time in. But again, like a tea party with a 15 year old, if you didn't have a tea party with your four year old daughter, when she was four, you can never have a tea party with your four year old daughter when she's four. That's you know right. what I mean? And it's not going to like, you could take her to lunch when she's 14 and I'm sure it'll be another enjoyable experience, but it won't be that four-year-old tea party. You can never get that back. So it's like, you know what no. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, that was the, as Gary Keller would say, the aha moment, right? That was my aha moment. And uh, I, I'll, I'll never look back. And so that was another big sea change, right? Leading that W2, uh, the comfortable opportunity uh, to get out and start my own thing. And that's where we're at today. And, uh, you know, the time is way more valuable than anything financially could ever have given me. Um, and again, I love what I'm doing again. I love the people I get to network with and work with. And the money will find me, just as it did before. Um, I'm grinding away. Uh, but, you know, every day is a blessing. Uh, and I get to do it on my terms with with people that I really want to work with and enjoy. That's awesome. It's awesome. I love hearing it. I want to transition to our radio round a little bit. Just, uh, just a couple of questions for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Um, the first question is, what's your favorite book? Oh, gosh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I would have to say, uh, well, you can look in the back. Uh, I've got a number of them here, but I'm going to pull out one in particular. And many people may have read it. Um, and I come back to it very frequently, but the the Alchemist. Oh yeah, and it's a good book. I read that. It's just in 2014. Okay. I, again, I go back and I read it probably once every year, year and a half, and it, it just speaks to me. Uh, yeah. Speaks to the journey. Sure. Uh, you know, and 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 following the universe conspires to give you what you want. That's exactly it. It's it works in crazy ways, and uh, yeah. So I go back and I read that all the time, and that's you know, there's an, obviously a number of books back behind me there that. Uh, I peel through quite a bit, but that is the one. So that's good, man. You you might have inspired me to go check it out again. I've always <laughs> liked it. I'm just such a slow reader. I usually don't read books twice. I, I, it's, it's well, I'm just I'm, I don't know if it's to. I mean, I've always when I was in school, I was always dyslexic and stuff. So I was always a slow reader, and I, and I never read growing up. I didn't really start reading until I got into like self development and then real estate. So like, I, I mean, I've read 150 books in the last five years, but I, I'm. I never read a, my, I read my first book when I was like 27, you know, <laughs> better uh, late than never, as they say, right? Yeah. 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 But I, I got, but, but I don't read books twice. I mean, there's books that I've read that I really like and I'll, and I'll go back and like, you know, scan them or, or like highlight them or something like that. But I typically don't read books twice just cause it's, it's such a challenge for me, but I might do it with the alchemist cause it's, it's kind of small. What, yeah. uh, what is, um, what's your favorite quote? 
Oh, I would have to say, you know, as I'm, and this one rings true with where I'm at in my life right now, Chesky, the uh, founder of Airbnb, uh, said the best advice he had ever heard as he was looking to, to build his business, uh, and it was struggling early on, uh, was uh, don't focus, let me back up, focus on the 100 people that love you, not the millions of people that might like you. And that rings so true with where I think everybody is at, uh, just in their journey, right? Um, you don't need to have, I mean, people on Facebook and all these social media platforms and they get this gratification out of having so many followers. At the end of the day, you know, it comes down so, to a handful of people. It's it's so true. And so when I got into the multifamily space, my big muse was uh, Joe Fairless. So the mm. first book I read was the, the, the I mean, the first apartment syndication book was... Um, best Joe Fairless's best ever apartment syndication book. Mm -hmm. And um, it talks about, you know, your thought leadership platform and how you, you know, grow that. And that's how you get investors and everything. And what it really, it, it, what he was talking about was he, he, he said, you should go more specific. He said, when he started his show, he went general. He's like, oh, you know, you cast a wide net. He said, so you've got, you know, like you said, tens of thousands of, of listeners, but, but realistically there's probably only like, 2000 listeners, you know, that are the bulk of like the value add there. And so his, his recommendation there was to like, to really niche down. Yeah. You know, if you're going to start a, like, I, I didn't listen, I didn't take the advice because I was scared. <laughs> so I casted the wide net. Right. Sure. So that's why we got the rent roll radio show and not the apartment syndication radio show, you know, but, and I just, I'm very active in the single family space as well. You know okay. what I mean? So, so that's, I didn't listen to that, but the whole thought process was, he's like, he didn't do it that he casted the wide net, but he regretted it. And he, if he said, if he could do it again, he would have niched down very, very specifically on his podcast to begin with. And I mean, he's got over $4 billion in holdings. So I, you know, I, I tend to take his advice. He's done something right. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, with the meetups locally and the participation on various meetups through Zoom and such, right? To, to that point exactly, finding the avatar, if you will, of the individual that will hear you speak and, and it will re resonates with them, right? I've been spending time with, you know, in, in the tech space, doctors down in, in, in the Bay Area. I know with folks on the backside of where I live here uh, and just looking for the one connection, right? I don't need to go there and hand out or talk about, uh, you know, giving out my information to 15, 20 people at a time. It's, it's really making, as you said, still in that one connection because from that one connection, it radiates in it, right? It's like dropping that pebble in the pond and just seeing that that wave go out. That's, that's all you need is one. And um, I'm exercising, as I said earlier on, that muscle, getting back out, meeting folks, and uh, each of these networking events, I come away with one or two good relationships uh, that continue to blossom. And at the end of the day, I don't go in there looking for it to be transactional, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, I want to meet people. I want to share information, uh, get to know somebody. And if a transaction or business comes out of that, that's gravy on top at the end of the day. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. What's your favorite thing to do when you're networking? Well, besides spending time with the family, I love working out, going to the gym, being outdoors. Um, I'm a tinkerer, right? 
I always get pissed off when I ask people from California this question because they always go straight to outdoors. And I am an outdoors fanatic. I love running, biking, swimming, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But I live in yeah. South Louisiana and it's 105 degrees and 100% humidity nine months yep. out of the year. So yeah. you guys that are going on your sunny 70 degree bike rides, every, you know, 12 months a year, piss me off every time. You know, but we are we are paying for it, right? As everybody right. well knows. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> but that's that's the trade-off, you know. So um, but no, I mean that 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 truly is it. I'm a, at the end of the day too, I'm a tinker. So anything that I can get my hands on, you know, I'm you'll find me literally on any given weekend hanging out in the garage, working on something. You know, I learned that from my dad and my grandparents. Uh, you know, they were just hands-on folks, blue collar. I grew up just outside of Detroit. Uh, born and raised and, uh, you know, a lot of hardworking folks back there. And uh, I learned that from my family. I'm always, always trying to find something to work on and work with and uh, keeps me busy. I just don't like to sit yeah, still. Good, so. good for the soul. Uh, how can our listeners uh, get in touch with you, find out more from you, connect with you, invest with you? Yeah, you know, so I'll give you my uh, my email address now. I'm in the process of building out the website. That should be up in the next couple of months. But certainly feel free to reach out to me uh, via email uh reference obviously this this call on opportunity and listen i'm happy to uh to help uh anybody where they're at in their journey um i've had tons of help over my career and uh, i know how valuable that is so my email address is js at montclair m-o-n-t-c-l-a-i-r dash cp.com uh, reach out to me with any questions you've got uh, I'm happy to to be a resource if I can. Awesome, Jason. Well, I really I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I look forward to uh, following you in your journey. I appreciate it, Sterling. Thanks a lot for having me. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.